about 20 years ago, uh, there was this thing that came out in the paper. There was a guy who was driving a truck uh, going to the San Mateo County Convention and Visitors Bureau in San Mateo, California. That truck was full of maps, 50,000 maps of the area, and he was delivering those, and he got lost. (laughs) He had to stop at a gas station and ask somebody for direction. He got lost even though he had 50,000 maps of exactly where he was headed. Now, these days, that's not likely to happen because we got these GPS units, right? We've been talking about that just a little bit. This is one, I I took this shot yesterday. Uh, I said, you know, what's a nice short thing that everybody wants to do? How about go to the beach, you know? And you got that on your phone. You've got a, a GPS built into any of your smartphones that can help you get where you want to go. In fact, to me, they're smarter than me phones. Because I find myself, instead of trying to think, pulling out my phone and let my fingers do the walking. Can I get an amen? Yes, I am not alone. And a phone is really not the correct term for it anymore, is it? How many of y'all actually physically set your clocks ahead last night? Some of you did, okay? I did not. Do you know why? Because my smarter-than-me phone does it automatically. So I didn't have to worry about it. That means I get to spend the rest of the day setting all the other clocks in the house. Oh, I did push one up. I pushed the coffee maker up, so I made sure I had coffee this morning. Amen? Yeah. But you've got an alarm clock, a phone, a day planner, games, emails. You can search the internet for anything that you want. It's right there. In your hands. Plus that GPS system that helps me know where I am and where I'm going. It is inside my phone. And it has the power inside of it for all the information I can possibly want to know. But I still have to be connected to the internet in order to get that information. Just like that guy in the truck driving the truck, he'd have to get to the maps that are inside his truck to get that information or find someone else who could help him. In this same way, Paul told the church in Corinth that they had all the resources and the power of God dwelling in them, but they really didn't seem to be connected with the Spirit like they should have been. So over in 1 Corinthians 6, we read this. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? I guess you've probably figured out that's kind of the phrase for this, this particular series, right? Is he in you? Are you in him? Who is in you, whom you have received from God? Today, I just want to remind us of a few simple things about 
the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit could be six months study, and I still couldn't tell you everything that that there is to know about him. But just a few simple things here. Paul, again, Romans 8, 9, he says, God's Spirit must be inside of you. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. And writing to the church in Ephesus, he says, having believed, having come to faith in Jesus, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. Deposit. What's that word mean? What does that mean? Down payment, assurance, what? To put in. Good, yes, yes. We're familiar with that, right? You want to buy something, you don't have the money, you can go and put it on layaway. But to put it on layaway, what do you have to do? You have to put down a deposit. What does that deposit, what does that deposit tell the store about those things they're taking off the shelf so they're not going to sell them to anybody else but they're going to put them in the back in a box that has your name on it what does that deposit tell them yes I will be back to get those items yes is Jesus coming again yes or yes yes we're looking for that That is a deposit, the Holy Spirit in us is a down payment on eternity. Next little thing on your sheet there. We receive the Holy Spirit when we believe, repent, and are baptized into Christ. Very simple reading of Acts 2. 38, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, how many people does that apply to? Everyone who is obedient, comes to Christ, has their sins washed away, all of that, right? And so everybody who does that, what? Receives the gift of the indwelling of God himself. So how many of them get that? We have a three-letter word. Do you know what it is? A-L-L. All. Okay? I threw you off there, didn't I? All. In other words, having God's Holy Spirit with us, in us to guide and encourage, is normative. It is the normal state for a Christian. It is the normal condition, the normal experience of every Christian. In fact, for the first few centuries after Christ, the church universally taught that our being baptized in, with water into Christ and God's giving of his spirit happens at the same time. Time. Would you like for me to tell you exactly how that happens? Okay, now I have three words for you. Do you know what they are? I don't know. I can't tell you that. 
It's, we talked about this a week or two back. It's mystery. Yes? Not everything can be explained in physical terms. There are some things that are esoteric. There are some things that are just there. Once you've received the Holy Spirit, though, you have an access to a wealth of resources. I'm not going to put these all on the wall. I'm just going to remind you of them because we've talked about them over the last several weeks. You are marked by God as belonging to him. That's the Ephesus scripture that we read, read just a minute ago. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, a deposit, right? You have a direct line to God's presence. 1 Corinthians uh, 2, 14 through 16. God's spirit is there to help you pray. Romans 8, 26 and 27. When you don't have the words, the spirit understands your groanings. And his spirit is inside of you to help you develop powerful character qualities like love, joy, peace, patience. Galatians 5, 22, 23. So, God's powerful spirit Do you see what I just did? God's powerful spirit. That's our true GPS. God's powerful spirit guides us and helps us to know who we are and where we're going. Now, GPS units, whether it's on your phone or you got a little Garmin or a TomTom or anything like that, every now and again, they need what? They need updates. And you've got to figure out a way to get that into the box. At least on the smartphone, it happens automatically. Every time they want to change the term and conditions, they send us an update, right? Apple does that automatically for me. But is there a way for us to get more of God's Spirit into our lives yes or yes is there a way yes there is a way if we want to download more of God's spirit God's GPS into our lives we need to download the word what is the word of God the scriptures right I have the potential of deepening my connection with God's Spirit every time I read His Word. The Word that is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword that penetrates even dividing soul from spirit, joints from marrow, and judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. By the way, that's the memory verse for today. How does God's word do that? How does it have the ability to judge my thoughts and my attitudes? Where does the word of God get the power to be living and active 
and therefore able to penetrate so deeply into my life. The power of the Bible is the spirit that indwells Scripture. It is the place where the Holy Spirit, where God, where Christ Jesus speaks to us the most clearly. Every time we open the Bible, God's Spirit has the opportunity to guide our path, to to direct us, to teach our hearts, to give us correction and to train us to be men and women of God. It's not just a collection of stories and commandments. It is God revealing his mind to us. His spirit uses scripture to tell us his will. That's why things like Bible study and Sunday school and daily personal Bible study and devotion are so important. These are the times when we allow ourselves to be exposed to God's will, to God's spirit. Paul encourages us to practice the presence of God. It's a very simple thing. It's everywhere you go, you realize that you are in the presence of God. Now, in your mind and in that moment, you may be thanking God Father, or you may be thanking God Spirit, or thanking God Jesus Christ. But it's that idea of looking for where God is working around you so that we can join Him in what He is already doing. And what's interesting, you know, we've been talking very clearly, very plainly that this year our focus is not going to be in there. Our focus is going to be going out there. And you might find that when you take the time to stop and speak to somebody, you may find God speaking to you through them and they don't even know it. If you're looking for it. Or you may find yourself speaking God to them before you realize it. If you're open to those divine appointments that God is putting in your path. Paul tells us this, Ephesians 5, to be filled with the Spirit, to speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for, to God, to the Father, for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying practice the presence of God. Three simple things that we can 
we can get out of this. You know, the, the, the first one there, you know, it, we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, which is the normal condition of every Christian, yes? Sing. Music's a marvelous thing to put your mind on Christ and off of your troubles. Speak to each other with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making a melody. You realize that's really the big reason why we sing in church? (laughs) It's to get us to adjust to the fact that God is present. Are there times when those songs lift you up? You came in here kind of down and you get lifted up. Are there times when you were distracted about things and then you get reminded by those songs that what's truly important really overarches that that distracts you? You know, you can sing here at church, you can sing at home, you can sing in your car, you can sing in your shower. Just fill the air with music. A new song, an old song. What are you doing? You're giving him praise. You're giving him worship. You're focusing on him. Paul also says for us to give thanks. That's easy. Can you think of anything positive that your walk with Jesus has done for you at any point in your life? Can you see times in your life where there's only one set of footprints and all of a sudden you realize they're not yours? Remember what God has done for you. Always, never quit. Because what are we doing? We're praising the goodness of God and we're recognizing our need and our dependency on the Lord. So, sing. Give thanks. This one's a little tougher. Serving others. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Find ways of showing love to each other and serving each other. What are we doing when we do that? We're actually following Christ's example. Who, being in form God decided equality with God was nothing to be grasped, but made himself humble, taking on the form of a servant being made human. Have you ever really looked at that verse? Servant and human are in parallel. Do you realize that what that means? You and I were created To be servants. Part of fulfilling your destiny in Christ is to not look for our own interest, but also to the interest of others, taking on His attitude. Essentially, By singing and praising God and submitting ourselves to others, we make our souls more welcoming to God's Spirit. 
You want to feel God's spirit? Do what you know to do already. You want to feel the presence of the spirit in a mighty way? Move the kingdom of God forward. You look in Acts and you look at every time it says somebody was filled with the Holy Spirit. The one consistent key thing is that the kingdom of God was being moved forward. So sometimes when we may feel like we're separated, that that God's not there, maybe he's looking for us to move towards him. Maybe he's looking for us to speak his name. Maybe he's looking for us to use the indwelling spirit to serve some other soul that he died for and put ourselves aside and put somebody else's eternity who was in the balance to put that before us. And I tell you, when that feeling of affirmation comes that the spirit is there, It's a feeling you're going to feel again. You're going to want that. Singing, praising, submitting to others, we make ourselves more welcoming to God's Spirit so that He can work inside us and through us. Now, it's very possible that the church in Corinth, that they actually did stuff like that. It's very possible that they regularly studied the scriptures. Uh, It's very possible that they did a lot of singing, that they did a lot of praising, but they risked destroying the power of God's Holy Spirit. If you've read through there, you know, what, what was their failure? Their failure was that they were trying to access God's spirit and still lived like the pagans that lived around them. They seemingly even found ways to justify their choices. Apparently, something like, now I'm a Christian, I'm I'm set free, and because I'm free, I can do what I want to because I am free in Christ. But friends... Freedom in Christ is not a license to sin. It's not a license for us to do whatever we want to. To live life on our own terms. Paul wrote, everything is permissible to me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible to me, but I will not be mastered by anything. And the dot, dot, dot on the end there is anything but the Spirit of God within. You see that in Paul. You see that principle in his life and in his teaching. Paul uses this example. He says, you know, you can eat whatever you want as a Christian because you're no longer bound by the Old Testament regulations. But that doesn't mean that all food is going to be beneficial to you or to somebody else. And I hate it, but this is exactly what I thought about. (laughs) You can live a diet of Big Macs and French fries. You can do that. 
But when they say super, supersize me, do you realize what you're telling that person across the counter? There's going to be a cost. You're going to get fat. You're going to be feeding your body a steady diet of stuff that's not good for it. And you'll hurt your heart and other bodily organs if that's what you go feasting after all the time. And it's not just McDonald's. You understand what I'm saying, right? You're free to eat what you want, but it's not always going to be good for you. Or, if you think about it, the phone apps. In order to get the full use out of my phone, I have to download some applications, some apps, right? I can do games, right? I can play Euchre, Solitaire, Wordle. Joy has gotten all over Wordle here recently. Um, Wheel of Fortune, you name it, the games are there and wide. You can play music, do special calculator functions, manipulate pictures, read books, surf the web, thousands upon thousands of different apps that you can get. And yet, while I am free to download what everything I want, not every app is beneficial to me. Some apps can hurt my phone, crash. Shut it off. Some apps can be downright malicious, stealing information, stealing identity. Some apps can hurt my spirit. From excessive time on social media, which will hurt my self-esteem. Because everybody on social media is pretty but me. To all manner of porn and immoral escape. I can download whatever I want on my phone. But not every program is beneficial. What Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 6 is this. Christ brings freedom from sin. Not freedom to Sin. Some things are going to crash your system. Some decisions you make will hurt your relationships with God because some things are not compatible with the spirit that dwells inside of you. Paul uses an example that hits real close to home for for Corinth. He says, Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? And he uses that super heavy negative. Never make in a talk in, in Greek. That's stupid. Of course not. Do you not know that the two is one with her in body? For it is said that the two will become one flesh. Where do we see that first off? All the way back to Genesis, right? Genesis 2.24. Christ brings us freedom from sin, not freedom to sin. But he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits outside of his body, 
But he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you received from God? You are not your own. Paul tells us very clearly, and we know this from other scripture, sexual immorality is not compatible with God's spirit. They can't coexist in the same body. We can't be a temple of the world and be a temple of God's spirit at the same time. Here's a principle. Seeking selfish pleasures limits God's power in our life. Not because he doesn't have unlimited power, but because we pull away from him. We push him out. When we make a commitment to follow Christ, we agree to download a new map, a new way of life, a new way of doing things. To follow God's positioning system. We agree to live as he would have us live. And we give up living on our own terms to live the way he designed us to live. Friends, we have access to the most powerful force in the universe. Paul writes in Romans 8, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who is in you. God's powerful spirit that can enable you to live your life for Jesus in ways that will amaze you if you will allow that to happen. Yet without that power, Your Christianity is practically worthless. And friend, we can't have that kind of power until we give our life over to Jesus, to Christ, our Savior. That's why every week we have this this time at the end where we, where we play the last song, a, a call to action. Maybe if something in the service has stirred you to adjust your life with Christ, to make that commitment to him and to change and to move closer or to give your life to Christ for the first time. That's why we have this call to action, this invitation at the end of every service. I want to leave you with this. What, if anything, is blocking God's powerful spirit, his GPS, from working in you? And what will you do today to remove that block from your life? What, if anything, is blocking God's powerful spirit from working in you? And what will you do today to remove that block?
from your life. Father God, we thank you for your love and for your discipline. For we know, Father, that your discipline always comes from your love, always looking for the best for us. And we know, Father, that you have paid sin's price. As we move towards the close of service, Father, I pray that you will move in our hearts, that you will listen to the prayers that will be lifted while the others of us are singing. Use us for your glory, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.